0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition.
1: In verse 14, he reminds the Galatians that he lived with his eye on Calvary. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now verse 15 sums up the entire letter. Here it is in a nutshell. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation.
0: Have you ever felt stuck in old mistakes that you know are holding you back? Have you ever tried to move on from your past but only to feel like you're getting nowhere? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to experience a complete reset of who you are and make progress in changing your ways, Simply give your heart to Jesus. There are no amount of works that you have to accomplish or hurdles to get through to be saved by God's grace. Give yourself to Him and be transformed. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 6 as he continues his message, the ministry
1: of restoration. As a minister, I often recite to myself the Lord's words, quote, Inasmuch as you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, the least of these, you have done it to me. I quote that to myself a lot. If I'm really down in the gutter with someone and it's dirty and it's difficult and it's stinky and it's hard, I tell myself, would I do this for Jesus? Oh, in a heartbeat, then I'll do it for them. Inasmuch as I've done it for them, I'm doing it for him. It's not just for that person. When we think that what, what we're doing for a brother or sister is the same as doing it for the Lord, it turns the task into a joy. Now, next, Paul gives advice for practical Christian living. This is what I love about Paul. He closes all of his letters with practical Christian living day to day. How are you going to walk this out when you wake up in the morning and go to work? How you walk this thing out? He has three bits of counsel. Are you ready for them? Say with me, I'm ready. I'm ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, Get ready for Paul's counsel. He's going to tell you how to live the Christian life where the rubber meets the road. Okay? First one, mark your own boundaries. Here's the verse verse three. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, I could say somebody, when he is what, everybody? Paul, you are hurting my self-esteem, telling me I'm nothing. Do you know self-esteem, the way our culture is teaching it, will kill you and turn your children into demons. He's not telling you you don't have any value. He's saying don't think more of yourself than you should. Because if you do, you're deceiving yourself. In modern psychology, there is a phrase that describes what Paul is saying here. It's called the Peter principle. What's the Peter principle? It refers to the mistake of promoting a man beyond the level of his competence. That's the Peter principle. Now, let me give you an example. A man might be a first class salesman, great salesman, can sell ice to an Eskimo, okay? But that doesn't mean he's gonna make a successful sales manager. I assure you. But you say, well, because he's a first-class salesman, he's going to make a great sales manager. You find out in a week or two, he has no clue how to deal with people in management. Paul's warning here against overestimating yourself. Mark your own boundaries. The moment you start thinking that you are somebody, you are headed for trouble. You know why? Because pride comes before a fall. I've told you, I have a habit, and I've had it as far back as I can remember. I go home right after a service before I let myself eat or do anything for myself. I go straight to my little place of prayer, and I say, Lord, I give you the glory for what happened. Even if the service was lackluster, I say, Lord, I thank you that anybody was there. I say, Lord, I give you the glory. And you know why I do that? Cuz there's no way that I'm going to start walking around strutting that I had anything to do ultimately with what he did. Now I cooperate. Of course I do. And I'm going to get reward for being obedient to the Lord in the ministry. But what happens spiritually, what happens supernaturally and and just the whole calling he's given me, that's to his glory. And I know that if he took, if he wanted to, he could take my breath away now. And that would be it. So I give him the glory. I do that because I know who did it. You ever think about that donkey riding into Jerusalem with Jesus on his back? He had never been ridden. That donkey had never experienced anything like what happened when Jesus got on his back and he was ridden in Jerusalem. What would you think if that little donkey with all the palm leaves falling in front of him and all the people going, Hosanna, Hosanna, if he had started strutting. (laughs) Would that be one deceived donkey? Wouldn't you want to go up and say, hey dude, it's not you. It's who's on your back. Come on everybody. (laughs) So We donkeys need to remember who's carrying us. Jesus is using us to bring him into the city, but all those palm leaves are for him, not you. Right? So that's the Peter principle. When you start thinking, when the donkey starts thinking it's all about him, pride comes before a fall. So we're to mark our boundaries. Remember who you are. The apostle's second word of advice is mind your own business. I like that one. Can you tell your neighbor that? Some of you turn right to your spouse, mind your own business. Watch this. Look at verse four. Let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Powerful verse there. This is a simple caution to everyone who's engaged in some form of Christian ministry. And that ought to be everybody in here. You're all at least a witness to his glory. We should avoid, like the plague, the subtle addiction to the approval of others. It's it's wisest to assess for yourself. For yourself, you assess the value of your own work. You assess it. Don't the Bible, say, let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself. People's opinions are fickle at best. Can I tell you the truth? People's opinions of you and me change like the wind. You're a hero one day, you're a zero the next. They pat you on the back one day, stab you in the back the next. In some cases, not always, but yeah, they do. Um, To your face, they'll tell you you're the greatest thing since peanut butter. Away from you, they're running you down. That's people. It is not in the province of one believer to assess the ministry of another. I've been around a while. I've been in the ministry a long time. And you're gonna have to take right what I say here, the way I intend it. I don't care what people think. Now, I care about having a testimony for Christ. But as to their opinion about my ministry, I take it with a major grain of salt. I'm really getting more ornery the older I get. I'm just getting to where I don't care because I know they're not going to be there when I face the Lord. And their opinion isn't going to matter a hill of beans when I face the Lord. You know what's going to matter? What he thinks. So I've I've decided I'm going to perform for an audience of one. I don't perform... Catch this now. This is very important. Because if you're always afraid of what people think about your ministry, you are paralyzed. If you really do try to please all the people all the time, you will have analysis paralysis. You will be paralyzed and get nothing done. So I've decided I, I know where I'm at. I know what I believe. I know where I stand. So I've decided... I'm going to preach what I know, I believe, and I let the chips fall. And if they don't like it, well, every once in a while, people leave because they get mad at something I said. Can you believe that? Me. They get ble- mad at something I said. I just think I'm a likable, smiling kind of a pastor guy, but people get mad and they leave because I said something, literally. You know where I'm at? Okay. Okay. Because they'll leave and five will replace them. And that's the way it works. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, so, you know what? I assess myself. I look at, at, you know, are we seeing fruit? Are people being saved? Is God growing his church? Is he blessing it? And if so, then I'm okay. And as long as I have peace with him and I'm doing what I know he told me to do, I'm okay. I'm okay. I care about his opinion most. And, and shouldn't we? And do you? I hope so. Now the Bible says in Romans 14, 10 through 12, why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For read, read the last part with me, everybody. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. As it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Then Paul says, so each of us, read it with me, shall give account of himself to God. So be sure the way you're living, you can face him with and give an account. The mature believer has learned to walk above the praise of men on the one hand and the abuse of men on the other hand. I don't let praise get to me and I don't let people abuse me. Don't do it. Our sole aim is to please the Lord. Now, Paul's third word of advice is move your own burden. Move your own burden. For, verse 5 says, for each one shall bear his own load. Now, this might sound confusing because in verse 2, we're told bear one another's burdens, right? So what does it mean, you know, carry your own burden? Very interesting. Perk up. Watch this. A little bit of Greek here. The Greek word used for burden in verse 2 is baros or baros which means a weight, something that presses on us physically, that which makes an exhausting demand upon our resources. The word for burden in verse 5 is a totally different Greek word, fortion. And it means something we have to bear regardless of its weight. For instance, the Lord tells us that his burden, fortion, is the word used, is light, because no matter how heavy the load he puts upon us, he's going to make the heavy, or he's going to take the heavy end. He's going to help us carry it. By sympathy and help, we can assist somebody who's carrying a baros kind of burden, but everyone must carry his own fortion kind of burden. Here's what this means. Nobody can walk your walk for you and fulfill your ministry for you. You will not get into heaven on your grandma's coattails. You must carry that 40 on yourself, your walk, what God's called you to do. That's your burden. There are some things I can't carry for you and you can't carry for me. I'm going to have to carry it and you're going to have to carry it. And we carry it in the joy of the Lord, knowing that he's helping us carry it. So when I meet him, I'm going to answer for my own life. No one's going to answer for my life and I'm not going to answer for anybody else's. Then in verse 6, Paul says, the teachers of the word should be supported financially. This is what verse 6 says. Let him who is taught the word communicate to him who teaches in all good things. The word for communicate is koinoneo, and it means to share in material things. Uh, Here's what Paul says. The scripture says, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. And he uses this uh, in relation to teachers, or those in full-time ministry being paid for it. He says the Old Testament law was that as that ox was treading out the corn, God said, don't muzzle that ox where he's doing all the work, but he gets none of the benefit. If he's treading out that corn, if he's plowing that field, take the muzzle off and let him eat some of it. Let him eat some of it. And that's the principle. The worker deserves his wages. Every worker in here say amen. Amen. Now, Next, Paul discusses the law of the soil, which is the principle of sowing and reaping. Here's the law of the soil. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he might reap. That's a guarantee, isn't it? He will. Reap exactly what he sowed. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The word for deceived here is planao, and it means to cause, to wander, or go astray. We get the English word planet from this Greek word planao. Why? Why would he use that? Because the ancient astronomers thought that the planets wandered through space in contrast with the fixed stars. So how does scripture view somebody who is deceived? A wanderer. They're not fixed. They're not stable. They're wandering in the dark. So don't be a deceived wanderer. Don't think that if you sow something, you're going to reap something else. You're not. You can't sow bad and reap good. And guess what? You can't sow good and reap bad. It works both ways. The bottom line to the law of the soil is that we will reap according to what we sow. All seed is multiplied after its kind. That's the Genesis law. We will reap, read this with me, we will reap what we sow more than we sowed, later than we sowed it. Then in verse nine, Paul tells us that patience, patience is going to be required when you're sowing good seed. Please catch this, church, because too many people faint between sowing and reaping when it's good, when it's good seed. Look what he says in verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap. What are we going to reap? We're going to reap good because we're doing good. If, everybody say if. You're going to reap if you don't, what does that tell you and me? If we don't lose heart, that we can actually sow good, but not have the patience to be there in the end when the harvest comes in. And guess what? Here's something really bad. Somebody else gets your harvest. A fundamental law of sowing and reaping is patience. It takes time for that seed to germinate. I remember in elementary school, all of us did this. Our teacher gave us some seeds and you put it in a little deal, little cup. I was the worst of the worst of the worst. How many times did I dig that thing back up? She said, you just sow that seed and you water it. So I'd sow it and water it. Come in the next day, I'd look. There's nothing there. I'd say, something's wrong with that seed. So I'd dig it up and look at it. <laughs> you okay? You down there? You able to germinate? Did you get the water? Put it back in. And, and I did this over and over and over. Finally, everybody else around me is sprouting, but mine are still dead. Because I pull them up so many times. They croaked. I didn't understand. Once you got them in there, leave it alone. And she told me too, Jeffrey, the reason you don't have a harvest is because you kept pulling the seeds up. And see, we get so impatient, we're so good, but then we don't have the patience to wait for it to come up. It takes time for it to germinate, to put out its first little roots and its first green shoot. Then it takes more time for the plant to develop and grow. Then it has to flower. And then the fruit has to form. Say with me the last three words. Patience is required. If you've got seed in the ground, trust God. But not just patience. He says persistence is also required. Look at verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, the Greek here is this. Let us keep on Keeping on persistently doing good. Don't do it once. And a year later say, well, I didn't get any harvest. Keep on doing it. Somebody asked me this week, they said, Pastor Jeff, what what if I sowed so much bad seed? I've got so many bad harvests coming. Is it even worth me walking with God? And I said, oh, yes, yes. Start sowing fast and hard. You start sowing that good seed everywhere you can, and that good seed will come up and choke that bad seed. It's never too late to start walking with God. So, 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 so. Keep on keeping on, persistently doing good. Don't give up, don't faint, don't falter, and especially do good to those of the household of faith. Doing good is the hallmark of the church. Before Christianity burst upon the world, folks, I assure you, there were no hospitals. There were no orphanages. There were no asylums. There were no schools for the children of the common folk. Do you know that? Christianity brought us all those things. It says that Jesus went about everywhere doing good. As our Savior lived, so should we. Be patient in doing good and be persistent in doing good. Your season of reaping is going to come, folks. Now we're coming towards the close. Chapter 6, verses 11 through 13 says, See with what large letters I've written to you with my own hand. Why do you say they were large? He had bad eyes. So when he wrote, it was like size 30 font. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. In other words, that they successfully deceived you and brought you back into Judaism. Now, up to now, a secretary has been used to write down what Paul dictated. He would dictate, moved by the Holy Spirit, and somebody would write it down. But for the closing verses, he says, give me that pen. I'm going to write these last ones. Consistent with the whole letter, Paul exposed the folly of the false teachers once and for all. In verse 14, he reminds the Galatians that he lived with his eye on Calvary. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, verse 15 sums up the entire letter. Here it is in a nutshell. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. That's Galatians in a nutshell. Now, verse 16 gives us a promise. As many as walk according to this rule, the rule of a new creation, not trying to do the law or become righteous by the law, but by faith in Christ and becoming a new creation, you know what you're going to have? Peace and mercy will be upon you and upon the Israel of God. Verse 17 reminds them of the price Paul has paid. He says in verse 17, from now on, let nobody trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I've told you if you were to take Paul's shirt off and look at his back, it would look like a map crisscrossing, whiplashes. He took what Jesus took once. He took five times. It's hard for us to imagine the agony of such a thing. And he didn't have painkillers afterwards. Nothing. I added it up once. 190 lashes, something like that. The word marks is from the Greek word stigma. Remember the Hollywood stigmata stigmata? Different people use this Greek word, but stigma is the usual word for a tattoo or a slave brand. He says, I bear in my body slave brands, the marks of the whips and the rods that have beaten me because of my testimony. His body had been branded by the many beatings he'd received. Paul chose, being Paul, Mr. Optimist, he chose to see those scars as evidence of his being Christ's slave. That's how he did it. Are you going to beat me? All right. There's my tattoos. And what do they mean? They mean I'm Christ's slave. Let's stand to read the final passage and we're done. Are you ready? Let's read it. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What a beautiful ending to Pastor Jeff's series
0: on the book of Galatians. In the closing of Paul's letter to the Church of Galatia, Pastor Jeff showed us what it means to be a Christian that truly makes an impact on the world. It's not enough to be halfway in or let the problems of the world bog us down. Keep your nose to the grindstone and never cease in sacrificing yourself daily for the world. Love everyone around you and support your fellow believers in the furtherment of God's gospel. I'll hand it over to Diane, who will let you know more about Hardwire. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817-484-4767. Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. Now I'll hand it back to Daniel as he gives a preview of what's next. Now that we've finished our study in the book of Galatians, don't miss out on Pastor Jeff's next series in the book of Mark. We learned what it means to be a Christian that truly lives as a daily sacrifice for Jesus. Now we're going to be shown undeniable proof that Jesus is who he says he is. If we're to live out our lives believing in Jesus, how can we be sure that He truly is the Messiah who rose on the third day? The book of Mark will answer these questions and more. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.